0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. And I'm thankful for you joining us today and listening to this podcast. Um, if you haven't subscribed to it, go ahead and do so. Um, and then share this content with other people if you think it's going to be impactful in their life, maybe uh, encourage them in their day. Uh, we are uh, typically posting our sermons, we used to do some things called Table Talk Thursday. You can go back and listen to those. Uh, we hope to bring that back at some point um, when we talk a- about some more uh, hot topics. Uh, so that's that's coming. Uh, be on the lookout for that. But this is going to be an episode of, uh, of a sermon from Pastor Nathan, and he is specifically starting us off in a brand new series called, Is This What I Signed Up For?, <laughs> You ever have that uh, thought? When you think about something that's challenging, when you think about something that, that you weren't expecting, that you had committed to, uh, you ever ask yourself that question Is this what I signed up for? So you're going to hear about what that means in the context of the sermon. And uh, I hope you enjoy. Uh, but also, I want to remind you uh, if you appreciate the work of Life Church and you want to invest in it, and you want to see its long-term future continue and sustain, be sustained. Uh, I would love to ask you to prayerfully consider uh, giving financially to Life Church, and you could do that by uh, looking at the uh, the give link, which is in the show notes. Um, and I um, I just want to say thank you ahead of time for for doing that. Uh, but for now, here is Pastor Nathan. With is this what I signed up for?
1: God, we surrender everything to you. It's in that surrender that we find what we've been hoping for. We find the peace. We find the joy. We find the purpose in that surrender. Teach us what it means to surrender to you, to give everything to you, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen have a seat. Welcome, everybody, in the room and online. I am excited that you are here. Um, It is a rainy day. It's starting to be winter, but uh, it's a joy to be with you, a joy to start a brand new series if you are new in the room or online online. Uh, Welcome. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to talk about this, but I'm more excited to get to know you better. So if you're new, or maybe you've come for a couple times, and you've never filled out a Connect card, please do that. LifeChurchCanton.org slash now is a place that you can connect. If you're streaming live right now, you could say, I'm new, and one of our pastors will get in touch with you. But we want to connect with you because we're on this journey together, and no one expected the journey to be quite like this right about now. Uh, So, it's good to do it in community. In fact, I believe that it's the community of Jesus, His body, us, working together that will be the transformation we want to see in the world. Now, we're in a brand new series today, a little bit of a short one right before we get into our Christmas series, which we're excited about. And it's, What Did I Sign Up For? Uh, That's a great kind of idea for today, like I didn't understand what I was signing up for in 2020. This is a a crazy year, Uh, but the world right now is full of of disunity, Uh, and we're asking the question about our relationships, whether that's with school, with the government, with people we live with, with friends, or the church. We're asking this question, did I really sign up for this? Like what, where are we? Why is it looking this way? We're asking this question about America and the church What did I get myself into? Anyone feel that way right now? Sometimes I do. I feel like, what did I get myself into? This world is in chaos. One of my friends was discussing his online high school classroom, which he's a teacher of, and he was talking about how he's just trying to get people to participate. So, he asked this question, a very simple question, the question I'm going to ask you right now, what would fix this world? What would fix this world? If you're online, you can write that down right now. It's not a trick question. In fact, he said, this isn't a trick question. Any answer will do, any answer whatsoever. But they struggled to answer it. Some didn't, and one just took in the chat the very uh, answer someone had right before them, copied it word for word, and posted it again, um, which was an interesting choice. (laughs) I don't think he got credit for that. But what would fix this world? Man, when we're faced with the world's brokenness or brokenness in our family, we're often overwhelmed at the prospect of solving it. And some of us just want us to get along, to come together. So what do I want for us in this series, in these three sermons? Well, I want to embrace that unity comes from submission. Well, that's interesting. I'm not sure you were ready for that. Unity comes from submission, Submission, this word, is not a great word. People don't really like it. It's a daunting concept. What emotion came up when I said submission? What thoughts came up? Your your brain probably started going in a lot of different directions. But I want to start, before we get into that, on one prayer of Jesus. This whole series is kind of based on this prayer. Jesus prayed this in front of everyone. He was talking to the Father in front of His disciples and praying for them a very unique moment for the disciples, and he was praying for you. In fact, this part of the passage in John 17, he is talking about all those who would believe in Jesus coming up, people who would come. He is praying for them. When you believed in Jesus, you signed up for this. You signed on the dotted line saying, I want to follow, and he's telling you what he wants for you as you follow him. John 17, 21, that all that would believe in me in the future, that they may all be, what is that word? One, one person can read, thank you, two, great. (laughs) Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in, what's that word? Us, Us. five of you now. Well, man, I am excited about Michigan school system right now. Shake it off, guys, we're doing all right. Jesus wanted us to be one. Like He is one with the Father. The Father is in me and I in Him. He wanted us to be one together like He, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. That's a daunting task. Well, we find that submission, this word submission I'm talking about, is found in the Trinity and it's our template. So the submission found in the Trinity is our template for how to submit to each other. Clearly, He's laying that out for us. The Great Commission in Matthew tells us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Co-equal persons, separate but equal, but one God. It's a beautiful mystery, the Trinity, and we don't have time to unpack it too much, but what you need to know, it's a union, a union that God is inviting us into. It's an example. Jesus is our example of how to submit to God, but it's also an invitation, an invitation to be one like they are one. Did you know that your heart truly desires to be united with the Father? That's the heart cry of every single person, is to be united with God the Father. And Jesus, while he was on earth, he repeatedly submitted his will to the Father. But yet he was still equal. Sometimes we think that if you submit to someone, you're admitting that they are more than you. But Jesus proves that that's not the case. It's about relationship. And he wants that same relationship between us and the church. He wants that for us together as we submit to each other, as His body, something changes. We get to experience something. The inference here is that if we have unity together, we have unity with God. We get invited into the mystery. So what did you sign up for when you became a Christian? What did you sign up for? You signed up for this harmony with each other as the body of Christ. He laid that out for us. There might be something about that word submission that we intensely dislike. I don't know many people who like the word submission. Maybe people who put people in submission holds, right? They really enjoy that. But that's how we kind of visualize it like this, oh, a very aggressive thing, this domineering thing. But submission between the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the most glorious thing in the cosmos, and we're invited into it. What do I mean when I mean submission? This is a basic definition that'll help us throughout the series. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in and cooperating. Very simple. But John 17, 21, he wasn't done yet. He says, I want them to be one. I want them to be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. He's saying something about this unity together will show the world that Jesus was for real. This is a promise here. There's a promise in this message that if we can figure this out, God will be glorified. So submission, it's not resignation, being resigned to just, you know, take it. That's not what it is. It's actually the activation of our unity. When we submit to each other, just like the Trinity did, we actually get to be unified. And that unity is something that the world needs more of. In fact, they can't resist it. Jesus did not resign himself to not being in charge. For him, submission to the Father while he was here is part of their relationship. And we've lost our unity as the body of Christ. The world has noticed. I can't tell you how many news stories I've been listening to, especially along the lines of the election since it's still on our minds, is I, I can't tell you how many stories about people who are agnostics, who don't believe maybe or even atheists, and they look at the church and they treat us as unimportant They look at us kind of like, oh, there's that cute little group of people that keeps fighting each other like every other human organization does. It's just people who are split on different ways of thinking, and yet they seem backwards. I I can't tell you how often I've seen that the influence of Christianity, at least in the way we see it today, is waning just because people say, hey, they're just some group of people that can't seem to get it together. We're supposed to be salt and light We're supposed to make life worth living. And we're supposed to shine light in the darkness. But most of us are just good at being salty, right? Like being salty with each other and being rude. Like we're good at that. Well, guess what? So is the world. We don't look much different. And it's all tied to this idea of unity that we're fighting each other. Just like any other thing in this world. We're losing our witness because we've lost our unity. But... Our unity would show the world the glory of Jesus Christ. So even though it's like, hey, we're losing it, if we retain it, if we go back to it, if we are unified again, the joy that would come, because people would look at it and say, oh my gosh, something else is binding them together, something greater than a religion, it must be something that I want. See, submission in the church to each other results in salvation in the world. Submission in the church results in salvation in the world. Did you know that? Because people point to God. He goes on. This is still Jesus praying. The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. When we submit to each other, people believe that Jesus is real. When they are saved and begin to worship him with their lives, God is glorified. Then The world is transformed more and more into the kingdom of God as people who serve Him go out and do whatever it takes, wherever it takes them, and relentlessly pursue one more. The world changes, and it all comes from submission because our unity is His glory. Our unity is His glory. When we are bound together, when everything else in the world says we should be apart, it points to something greater than us, which is Him. This is what drives us and what it should drive us, new life, New life, driven by new life. As we see God's kingdom exert itself through the unified body of Christ, the church who, through the Holy Spirit, is bound together in submission and unity will then go into the world and transform it completely. Wouldn't you love to see our church transform the world? It actually comes from submission first. My hope is to continue to flesh out what submission means. But first, I want to be clear about what it is not so that you can really engage in what we're talking about. Submission is not silence. It's not being silent. It's not blind obedience. And it is not admitting or being less than. We see in Jesus that none of these things are true. We'll be talking about how we should biblically submit to each other, to the government. And today, we're talking about church leadership, Because unity must start in the church. You excited to talk about submission to church leadership? No? Okay, one person, sweet. It's okay, I don't expect you to be. But I know that what's so much more important than what we feel and what we want to talk about is God's glory. It's the most important thing. And this scripture is going to continue to show us as we move into Hebrews about how we must learn to give God glory by submitting to church leadership on top of the disunity in our churches. I wanna be honest, our leadership, church leadership is under incredible strain. We're overtaxing our church leaders. I anticipate stories of moral failings in all level of church leadership to increase because of the season that we are in. Suicide and depression and burnout, they're coming as pastors tried to hold together a divided church. The strain on church pastors is greater than it has ever been. On top of that, we've lost the ability to be led by leaders in the world, in America. Uh, a, A rabbi and a family therapist wrote about this. I love his quote. His name is Friedman. He said this, I believe there exists throughout America today a rampant sabotaging of leaders who try to stand tall amid the raging anxiety storms of our times. Not only leadership, but pastoral leadership as leaders submitted to God that are tools for His church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have forgotten how to be led. And I want to talk about it today. And as we learn healthy submission to church leadership, unity will increase in our church and other churches, and God's glory will shine. And that's why we're here. This is not just a corrective message. This is a message of hope and growth. Because the greater the unity The greater the glory. That's how this works. So, my question for you, second question, online you can write it down. I wouldn't mind you writing it down in the room as well. What does submitting to the church mean? What does that even mean? Well, I want to go to Hebrews. Hebrews is a book that's so important for us. It's talking to the early church. It has a background. It's a letter most likely written by Paul, and it's written to address a spiritual crisis of immaturity in the church, and the wavering faith in Jesus Christ. So the question is, what did I sign up for? Well, Paul is going to tell you in Hebrews 13, 17. Now listen to this one. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful to you. What is happening right now is the previous leaders of this church had been killed for the faith, and there are new leaders, and so Paul is reminding them what their attitude should be towards the new ones. Listen to this, as if Paul is writing to you. He's writing on behalf of the leadership of the church. He's saying, look, I'm writing to you for them, and I want you to listen to it on behalf, on, as if Paul's writing on behalf of this church or any church leadership. And I want to acknowledge the difficulty of this message. Many have never heard this passage before or passages like it. I talked to a couple people this week, and they said to me, I didn't even know this was in the Bible. And it shook them a little bit. And it was uh, awesome to see how the Word of God started to work in their heart. I want to remind you again that submission is not silence. It's not blind obedience or being less than. And some have actually used this passage and others like it to manipulate people, to center power on one individual instead of a team of leaders in the church. Some have used it to promote blind obedience, to keep people from having a voice in the church or to elevate the lead pastor as being better than or more than anyone else. I know that this has been used to manipulate And according to Pew Research, the number one reason among people who have no religious affiliation whatsoever, the biggest growing number in the United States, that they believe that Christianity has lost their influence is because of Christian leaders' moral failings. So for those hurt by pastors, I am so sorry. I apologize. If it was me, I apologize. I would like to make that right. If it wasn't me, I apologize anyway. You see, I'm the lead pastor of this church, and in this role, I accept the responsibility for this church's leadership, both past and present. I also assume the responsibility for any reconciliation I can offer, even if it wasn't with me. I am deeply sorry about the way that church leadership may have failed you or hurt you. My intention here is to speak the truth of what the Bible says without any hint of manipulation or bitterness from past hurts, but with grace and with kindness, because I believe the result is God's glory. And that is more important than your preference or mine, than my emotions or yours. God's glory is why we exist. It is what you signed up for. And I'm going to invite some of you to sign up for it at the end because I believe in it more than anything else. So I ask your permission to preach this to you. Will you let me preach this to you? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. okay. This side really is vocal. This side, I get it. It's okay. Thank you. (laughs) So with, thank you, with humility, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey, this word is to rely on, trust in, depend on, have complete confidence in, and be a follower of. That's what this word means in the text. It actually means to be convinced to do what is asked of you. So as church leadership, we're trying to convince you to do what is asked of you. And he's calling them to do that. Do what is asked of them. Obey. But it's almost un-American to comply right? It's American to only comply when we agree with the rule, to be convinced of it. Wouldn't you agree? Like, well, I want to know that what you're asking me to do is also something I think is good. Or we might hate to obey it, but most of us can be convinced to obey the law or what is right out of consequences or out of just like, hey, whatever, I'll just make it happen. But he's asking them to align with the leader. To not be a string out of tune like Jared talked about weeks ago, but instead to be in harmony with what the leadership is doing, both the lead pastor and the leaders who are lay leaders, people who are elected from among you. He's asking them to do that. Man, if only we could be convinced to obey everything good for us. Man, I wish that would be the case. But most of us sometimes when we come up to things we don't want to do, we say, this isn't what I signed up for. Paul is saying, no, obey them. This is God's plan. But Paul does something new here. He adds the word submit. It's only found really in here. This this word is used very uniquely because they're put together, obey and submit. So submit means to yield to another and follow their lead. So he's saying obey when you can be convinced and submit when you can't. These two words are crucial. I'm going to read from one of the scholars who talked about this. It says, Obey your rulers. Nay, this is an old one. More, not only obey in cases where no sacrifice of self is required and where you are persuaded they are right, but submit yourselves as a matter of dutiful yielding when your judgment and your natural will incline you in an opposite direction. Don't just obey when it's easy. Or when you're persuaded it's the right way, but yield when your judgment and your nature incline you in a different direction. What exactly did we sign up for when we signed up to follow Jesus? My question to you, this is a hard one, do you feel it's right to obey even if you don't agree? This is a hard question. I want you to kind of internalize that. You can write online or maybe write down in your notes. What did your heart do when the question was asked, where did your mind go? Did something inside of you rebel? I'm going to say that this is only possible, what I just said, because of Jesus Christ, and we'll get to it. I'm going to show how it's not about the individuals, but it's about what Jesus is doing. But I want to stick here for a moment, because we don't often obey leaders when we disagree. We don't do this. When we are failed to be persuaded, we are tempted to let pride rise up, to forget that God is in control, and instead choose to be right over righteous. Instead of having right relationship with His body, we want to be right. We must be convinced. We must be persuaded. We must think that it's a good idea for us to do it. In a previous sermon, I talked about how this is actually pride, when we desire to be right instead of righteous, and it's dangerous. But obeying and submitting are here because it creates the opportunity for unity, and unity is to your benefit. Let's continue to move on. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Simply put, the church leadership, the staff and the leadership team is tasked with watching over your spiritual well-being. We are most concerned about your relationship with God and the world. We want you to have a good relationship with God. That's why we invite people to accept Jesus Christ every single time we get up here because we are most concerned your, th- your relationship with God. I want you to be one with the Father which is now your right because of Jesus Christ. It only comes though through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's body, the church, and it's best experienced when we are united But unity only comes through submission. The second part of that says we will have to give an account. What it's saying is that as pastors, we have to give an account. We have to stand before God someday, and every word I utter from this stage and in meetings and around, I will give an account for. Every decision that I make and the staff makes, we will stand before God and have to give a reason for why we did that. The one who purchased you with his blood, that is my responsibility. This puts the fear of God in me. This is terrifying to me, and I mean that in a good way. I must follow God's will in His Word over my preference or over the consequences of leading people places they don't want to go. I have to care more about what God says than those things. I have to either convince them to obey God's word or watch them leave the church to find a place that better suits their understanding of Scripture. Some have called this brave to do what we have done, to stand up for what is truth. Some people call it courageous. Wow, you're so courageous. That's so amazing. Some have called it reckless. Some pastors have talked to me. said, why would you challenge people? You will lose money and people attending. And they can't comprehend why I would do that. Some people can't comprehend why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's the fervent fear of God and what He has called me to do that I must speak this truth. I don't have a choice. I care more about what He thinks than anyone else. And it's Truly, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs uh, talks about not being wise in your own own eyes, but trust the Lord. It says, actually, fear the Lord and shun evil. So I have to give an account for how I watched over all of us, and I think about it every single day. It motivates me, and it keeps me moving through the hardship and the times that we're in. Now let's keep going. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they may do this with joy. Ah, man, I love this part. Let's do this with joy. I have a couple tattoos. Um, I have, well, a lot of tattoos, and there's a reason why I'm showing this to you. So I have these tattoos in here, and um, I didn't get my tattoos till I was married and 30 years old. So anyone who is younger than that should probably just not get a tattoo there. That's just for you parents. Um, but part of these had meant something to, to me. And this one here specifically, I sought an artist out, someone who was incredible at what they did. And I said, here's the things that I want. I wanted this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece, and that's what I'd like to do. Now, what do you think is the best way to do that? I wanted them to be full of joy and excitement because I let them in on the process, not only that, but because I wanted them to show me what to do. Think about it. If you're going to have someone put ink into your body and put a thousand little pricks of ink into you over and over and over again and go through 18 hours of pain, do you want it to look good? Yes, you want it to look good. What's the best way it looks good? The person, the artist who is doing it is full of joy and excited to do it. So for me, I was selfishly like, look, I'm going to find someone. I'm going to make sure that they're happy because they're putting something on my body that will be there when I'm 80 years old and it's just like halfway down my arm now and sagging and all that. And I want it to look decently good at that point. Selfishly, for your leaders, you want them to do it with joy. But it's actually not selfish because it's what God intended See, it's not like you have to think, oh, I just want them to to do well because I'll feel better. No, that's how God intended it. It's not selfish, it's his plan. But if you're gonna think about one way, let your pastors lead with joy. Another translation says it's for your betterment or good. Joyful pastors are more compassionate they're more creative and courageous and effective. Joyful pastors love getting up, love going into work, love meeting with people, and through it, they care for the body well. They become tools of God the way that it was intended. So I want to share you, with you some stories of joy because this is a hard message, but some things that are happening that are incredible, that give me so much joy and should give you joy. Locally, we have the creativity of our small groups and life works have just expanded in this season, these last nine months. Wheelchair ramps and hygiene kits, and they're finding new ways to care for people. I'm just really encouraged by the creativity of it. Well, we can then, because of your giving, and I'll talk a little more about that, we can support local people affected by COVID. And there's an overtaxed food ministry in Detroit called City Covenant Church, which is getting you know hit more than ever before. And we've been able to financially support them in this season. And that money's going out in just a few weeks. In fact, most of what I'm talking about is happening right now. We have a, a regional group of people we're supporting called Life Church Auburn, Auburn Hills, which is a church plant. We're helping them do what they need to do to re- reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. Nationally, we are now extending ourselves into Grace Evangelical Covenant Church in Kentucky. They have a comprehensive COVID plan. What's happening there right now is in that area, they don't have free tests and they don't have food for kids who are used to get food in school. And so what this church has stepped in and said, no, we're gonna provide this for our community because the church is the care of the world, not the government. And so we're gonna get behind that. I love that. We're giving to that. We are investing in it. Globally Ebenezer Glenn Orphanage across the seas helping people they've done well through this pandemic. Surprisingly they have great leadership. We're supporting them and then we're supporting World Vision to provide clean, yeah, clean uh, drinking water for those overseas cuz those things don't stop even though COVID hits us. In total, the majority of which is being spent in the next couple of weeks. We have given $22,500. That's incredible. That's wonderful. It's powerful. It makes me excited. It should make you full of joy. It's Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm so joyful that we get to do that. A large portion of all that I just talked about was put together by one of our late members, Mary Jane Archibald. She left a significant monetary gift in the form of an endowment And she trusted the church to help the community through outreach she left a substantial amount of her accumulated wealth and said look i want this to be for outreach but i'm gonna let you do what you think you need to do with it and because of that joy has increased one of the joys i have is when people give it's amazing you know why because when you give, you are putting your trust in God to move through the church leadership. You are entrusting that. Accountability is good, all of that, and should be there. But in reality, when you give, you are acting in faith. Most people, when they give, it is out of obedience. But it often starts before you're persuaded or convinced to do it. So much of our obedience to God isn't something we trust at first. We obey out first because we're convinced of it. It's about simply submitting. And then God shows us about how generosity happens. So generosity does happen as you submit to church leadership. It's been a challenging year for the church financially, and yet we get to celebrate what God is going to do through us in just a few weeks. If you're a partner, I want you to know a video from our financial officer, Jeff Packer. Our leadership team will be going out to you this week with a letter of where we're at financially. Anyone wants more information, they can come to us. But we wanted to talk to the partners. Again, open book, please come to us. But my question I have for you is this Will you submit a portion of your finances to the church? Will you do it? That's a way that you can submit. And it takes faith, but there's such power in this choice. Such joy is experienced in trust in both the giver and the receiver. I partner with this. I love to give to this church. There's joy in it. Right now, we're going to end the year at a $127,000 deficit. That's the reality. If we do not give, then we'll have to make some more significant cuts beyond what we've already done this year to prepare for it. So I encourage you to give. And I say this with a joyful heart whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. That's my call to you. But back to Hebrews. Let's read it again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning. This word is grief, uh, groaning. This is what it says. Again, the same scholar said, grief in your pastors is unprofitable for you. It weakens their spiritual power. Nay, more, the groans of other creatures creatures are heard by God, how much more so of pastors. So God could be provoked to avenge their groaning. If you must render God an account of their negligence, if we as leaders must render to God an account of our negligence, so must the church as a whole for our ingratitude to them. Hard words. And so I want to spend the rest of our time with is to talk about what it looks like to be a joy or what it looks like to be grief, what it looks like to be submissive in it and what it looks like to be discordant. The submissive or the aligned church or the dominant or controlling church in regards to the leadership of the church, which applies to me for sure, but also applies to other staff and leadership team. The dominant church versus the submissive church. I love the idea of misaligned to explain dominant or discordant Just like a misaligned tire, if you have a misaligned tire or multiple misaligned tires on a car, it results in a bumpy um, road, uh, shaking, drifting. It also wears the tires unevenly and dangerously. So if you have misaligned tires, they can get worn in bad places. It shortens the lifespan. But it all can result in popping tires, especially as we go into winter and potholes will become prevalent. Um, Sometimes I feel like there's more potholes than road. Uh, and so we, if we have misaligned tires, we could have even more trouble. Well, a misaligned church wears on everyone. A misaligned church wears on everyone, and some more than orders, others. A discordant church causes cringing and frustration, just like listening to a song where there's one note out of tune over and over and over again. And so a dominant church, what do they look like? Well, they can't trust the pastor's leadership So she, I'm going to refer to her as a she because the church is the bride of Christ. So she uses all of her influence to take power away from the pastors. She invests all of her energy into proving to them that their way is better. And over time, that pastor becomes weaker, more insecure, and less invested in meeting the church's needs. They're worn down. Now, I talked about how submission is only possible through Jesus Christ because men and women are imperfect. I am imperfect, the only way to have complete confidence in me is to agree 100% with all the decisions and actions that I take as a leader. That's impractical. Also could be quite terrifying. Or the only way that submission is possible is to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to guide and to direct, to trust in God's sovereignty with His church. Remember, the Trinity is our template. This is my life's verse. Absolutely, It's in Ephesians 4. And it's crucial that you hear my heart in this. So Christ, he left leaders. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ this is our template God has given this to us and we must rely on the Holy Spirit he is the one doing it but in order to submit you have to put your heart into faith mode faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see and sometimes we do not see where church leadership is going and I get it it's not a moment to be quiet it's not a moment to just be blind but it is a moment to trust in the Holy Spirit above all things Even if we can't fully see, we trust the Holy Spirit to do the leading. This means to truly follow church leaders, we must be a praying church. We must ask ourselves to submit to God's will so we can submit control to His leadership. It doesn't happen. If we are always fighting God, then we will never be able to trust His imperfect church leaders. Now, a reminder, submission is not silence, blind obedience, or being less than. Submission is empowering, unifying, and glorifying to God. Submission might look like this. We have said these things over and over again. So submission might look like getting into a small group even though we have a lot going on splitting the small group even though we've been there for a long time so other people can experience it. Submission might look like allowing sermons to confront potentially sinful behaviors in us or wrong thinking so that we can adopt a biblical worldview. You have to trust someone to call that out in you. Submission might be serving at the church even though our weekends are full or uncertain. It may be giving. We've already talked about giving. Submitting control of your finances is one of the most powerful things you can do to put your faith in God. It could mean jumping into the life journey and saying, you know what, I'm going to take it. I'm going to start at the beginning, even though I think I know all this stuff, or I'm going to start it because I know that I need to disciple someone, and the life journey is uniquely designed to take me there, to allow me to learn how to do that. And finally, it might mean prioritizing our time by attending church online and in person. Thank you for those online. We love you. Thank you for those in the room. We are a church that's a hybrid right now. We need to prioritize being together every single week. That's what it means to submit. It means a whole lot of other things. But a submissive church in regards to leaders empowers them. A church empowers her pastor when she uses her influence and strength to help them become healthier, more confident, and a godly person. Build them up. Instead of threatening their influence, her power actually heightens it. Because you have power. Did you know that? You do. You have influence. That's how God made it. But when you do that to empower, it actually heightens their ability to serve. The submissive church uses all of their God-given influence to build their pastor's ability to lead. She shares her ideas and opinions and feelings in a way that builds their pastor's confidence and adds to their ability to understand their church's need. I could go on about that one. It's a great one. I love this one. It's so important. I want voices in the room who don't agree with me. Her goal is not to take his leadership away out of fear, but to empower him to grow into this challenging role. She does not use his mistakes to prove his inadequacies, but she succeeds and fails with him. She convinces him that she believes in him and will be by his side. She can wait for his leadership even if she feels that she could do a better job. She tells him daily through her trust that she needs him to be a strong and capable leader. It's like saying, I know you're not perfect, but I trust God's work in your life. I believe you can be the great leader for our church that God has called you to be. I will help you with that so that we can achieve this goal. I have three action steps as we finish. Thank you for letting your hearts be open. Thank you for listening. It's been my joy to be with you. God is doing something incredible. My heart is that as we learn to be unified together, that all of us as on a staff and the leadership would grow in our ability to lead us because I have an account to give at the end of my life. And I want to say to God that I led them as best as I could and always kept you first. But I also want to to give an account and say, and you gave me such amazing people to lead with that were such a joy to me. And so my action steps are this. Number one, encourage your pastors, encourage your small group leaders, encourage those who are on leadership team, reach out to them. In fact, this very morning, I, I got one. And it said some other things, but it said this, regardless of how many people might disagree. You continue to preach the whole word of God which produces the fruit he wants. I love you for that and thank you for that. Encourage your pastors. Write them a note. Tell them how much you care. Whenever you see something good, let them know. It goes longer, uh, farther than you can imagine. Second, we need to pray for our unity as a church with humility and submission to God's will. Pray for the unity of the church because it is our glory. It is what will see the world believe in Jesus Christ because we are unified no matter what in the world tells us we should be apart. And finally, call you to submit control of your finances to support the mission of the church so that we can continue to reach more and more people. For Jesus Christ, and so that we can lead you with confidence and courage and creativity and joy. We could do this together. I want to give you an opportunity to sign up for this. If you've heard all this and you're like, man, I'm ready to follow Jesus, then you're truly ready. You are ready to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a little unsure, but submit and yield to God, and He will convince you of His goodness. Will you stay with me? If you want to follow Jesus with your whole life, pray this prayer with me online, later in the week, in person. God is timeless. He's not bound by places. He's with you always. But he wants to have a relationship with you. So close your eyes, bow your heads, This helps you concentrate. You can even open up your hands as a a sign of yielding, a sign of submission. What did I sign up for? Well, you would be signing up for a life of purpose, but you have to admit your need for Jesus Christ. Say something like this out loud or in your heart God, I need to be saved. God, I need to be rescued. I know the only way for that to happen is if someone died for me. Jesus died for me so that I could have life. He paid a price I couldn't pay. And so I yield. I submit. I say yes to Jesus. I accept that gift. I will change and transform my life to follow you. And I will tell everyone of this hope that I have found.